your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wideouts to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills picked away. He's to the 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Tight rope to the sideline, steps out of bounds inside the 30-yard line. Gadrick Mills has been a man today here in Lincoln. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, I hope you caught the ticker because Josh had some good stuff in there. Those were the headlines of the day, no doubt about it. The anticipated announcement from the Ivy League that they were moving all fall sports to the spring. Uh, The shocker was Stanford dropping 11 of their 36 sports to cut back to 25. And the biggest one was the one about the possible future of Big Ten football. And we're going to start there as we welcome you to a Sports Nightly here on a Wednesday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin, fired up. Yep, fired up, ready to be with you for the next couple of hours here tonight. Tom Deanhart, who used to be with BTN, now he is a writer for Rivals and covers the Purdue beat. Uh, he had the story of the day for college football, if you're into that sort of thing, and we are, right? We're all into that. Uh, he quotes a Power 5 head coach. It's got to be Jeff Brom, right? I mean, right? That's who he writes for is the Purdue rival site. But he says he quotes a Power 5 head coach. Uh, yes, it hasn't. It has not been officially decided, uh, but it looks that non-conference games have been punted, and the Big Ten appears headed to playing 10-game conference only. It says we have a big meeting tomorrow, Thursday the night. But, yeah, it just seems to me that probably in the last week and a half, I could just kind of tell from the this is the big this is the power five head coach quoting here. I could kind of tell from the tone of our leadership that that's the direction that they want to go, and I felt and we all felt most comfortable going. Nothing's been decided, nothing's official, but I would be surprised if it's not that. Um, says that he thinks an official announcement is going to come out in the next eight to ten days. The 10 games probably would be played, Ben, over 13 to 14 weeks. The coach was quoted as saying they're just trying to create flexibility if a team gets a bunch of cases and they can't play one week. They want to have some bye weeks built in there that they could skip a week and not lose one of the 10 games that they have. He said there's a chance that the season could still start on time with most schools already slated to begin on September the 5th. He says, you have two schools of thought. Again, this is the source. They have asked us about starting week zero, which would be the last Saturday of August, because they're worried about the second wave. But he said, I think September 5th is likely. Could they move it back to the 12th? Yeah, they wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me either. I don't think any further back, though, than the 19th of September for a start date for college football. I know the Pac-12 is talking about that right now, starting later, which would allow for more time for testing to be accurate and just to be able to get your guys more prepared. Uh, but this, again, is a Power 5 head coach. Got to be Jeff Brom again. Uh, this, is the, this is the most information we've gotten from what I would say is a credible source. Tom Dean Hart's a pretty well-respected writer in Big Ten country, Ben. And obviously he's talking to a Power 5 head coach. Got to be his own. But this is as much concrete news as we've had in a while. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't make sense that something like this would be made up either. Um, you know, I think this is a 
that's a pretty specific uh, set of rules or or direction to be pulled out of thin air or to not have serious wheels. I mean, it, to me, this is more than just an idea that was kicked around. It's something that had serious traction and momentum. Um, I don't think something like this gets out if it's just if it's one man's opinion or an idea or even just a rumor. Uh, I think this does have substantial smoke to it, and where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So. I would expect to hear something from the league in the next next few days uh, about this. Uh, you just hope that this isn't just the first plan, and then you know there's contingencies after that, such as like what the Ivy League announced today too. Uh, so I think that this is a, definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, it's better than just ripping the plug altogether, like like the Ivy League did. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of fans would get behind this if if the choice was. Um, you know, you're taking away two football games, but you're still getting 10 games. They're all in league, and you get to play uh, the majority of your college football season. I think most fans would take that. Now, if you're playing all conference, you're going to have to split it up. It's going to be somebody's – I was conversing with somebody this afternoon, and they, mean, they said, does that is Nebraska still, still going to get their seven home games? No, no. Not if you're doing all 10 league games. You're going to get five. You're going to have to travel to five. It's going to be an even split to try to give everybody a slice of the pie for this thing. Now, whether it's the nine games that are currently on your schedule that are listed for league, I don't know. I would assume you get everybody in the West, right? I mean, I think that's that's a no-brainer. There's six of your ten. Do you keep the three that are originally in your schedule? And for Nebraska, those three are Rutgers, Ohio State, and Penn State. Do you keep those three, or do they shuffle it back and add some different ones in? It would seem to make sense to me. You keep those three, you add one more. You just And so you, you get your pick, and the ones you have to choose from would be Indiana, the two Michigan schools, and Maryland would be the ones that you get to choose from or they get to choose to put onto your schedule. But this, this article that Tom Deanhart posted on Rivals, it's on the goldenblack.com website. It doesn't get into that about which of what would be the 10 games. But, it, I mean, why, why make it more difficult? Why not leave the nine on there, Ben, that you have now? Just add, add one more from somebody else in the league. Yeah, I know. That, and that's going to be – I think there are a couple of things with this that need to be ironed out. Um, I think the uh, – you know, this this aspect of it, of who you add, also the aspect of – the 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 flexible dates in case somebody gets sick or something like that i i mean i you're gonna have to have both parties uh have that date open so i do think there are some some parts to this that aren't perfect um but i do also think that you know there is still enough time to kind of iron these details out and you know enough enough time for the where their coaches or athletic directors or you know, people of power with a big voice and something like this can can raise uh, real life concerns so uh, they can kind of put that to bed. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to be another thing, too, is, is deciding um, how much of your old schedule do you keep of conference? What do you add? Who is free to add? Who gets the home game? Who has to go on the road? You know, all those types of discussions because, um, you know, the four and five road game thing was was a big conversation in the league of having to alternate and and i I have a feeling that you know especially in a year like this where uh you know there is so much uncertainty you're going to want to try and play as many home games as you can to to limit those road trips uh, to to get everybody home and safe 
Yeah, it's going to be five and five, and and this is the year for the Big Ten West teams to only have four. So the Big Ten West teams are going to get an additional conference game at home. Not that the East isn't going to lose their five. They've got their five. They're going to keep those five. But that has to be worked out. But you're right on the flexibility. You You have to have it built in. And then what if, you know, Let's say you're getting ready to play Purdue. They can't play. You can, so you got to push it back. But do you both have the same bye weeks? It may the schedule may be fluid throughout the fall as you move through this thing. But I've always felt like you got to go sooner than later. I mean, I I've heard people saying, well, maybe they'll push it back starting in October. I'm like, nah. I think you if there is going to be a second wave, and most of the health people think that there is going to be one, you got to get going sooner than later. And so that's why in this article kind of says that same thing that. He thinks that there's a pretty good chance that the week zero topic even came up, but probably more likely keep it on the fifth, and that would be Nebraska-Purdue is what we've been kind of thinking about for the last nine months or so about this thing. So this is really interesting, including the little nugget that he says they have a big meeting coming up tomorrow. So maybe we'll even learn more about this. I first caught wind of this from our buddy Teddy Greenstein, Ben, who put out a kind of a cryptic tweet about noon today saying, I got the Big Ten football schedule, but I'm on furlough right now with the trip, so I can't put it out. Wish I could. <laughs> but uh, And then some other things started to pop, and then this Tom Deanhart piece hit the wire. I was hearing from some, some folks on the ground in Lincoln even uh, early afternoon. The same, same news was drifting my way as well. So, like you said, a lot of smoke around this. Then you go back to John Cook, Husker volleyball coach, who in his last conversation with the Cooks, said basically the NCAA has told them, we want you to try to, to get as many games and keep as, your schedule as whole as you can. We're going to doctor the Big Ten schedule to limit travel with that, but we're going to try to get a full-blown season in. He also hinted that the Huskers have talked to PBA about moving their matches there so they could socially distant and get close to uh, what their crowd would be at the Devaney Center into PBA and have people spread out there. We also mentioned last night on the program that Texas Volleyball said the same thing. So I think that's where volleyball is trending. And we had this late in the show last night that a, a vice president for the NCA who oversees college basketball says they're thinking about moving things up and starting their season in October to try to get their non-conference done before Thanksgiving so that they have to have a break and a halt that they could do that and then try to pick up in January or February their conference schedule and finish their year. So I think there's a lot of wheels in motion right now around college administrators. Yeah, there is. And I think the the pressure to, to make those decisions is amplifying for every passing day and, and, of course, every passing week because, you know, as we keep saying on the show multiple times per week, um, you know, we've been talking about this for a couple months that, you know, there is time, there's time, that window's wide open. Well, this, people have their hands on the top of that window and are closing mm-hmm. that window for every passing day and every passing week. And and we're getting closer and closer to times where fall camp is necessary. Um, you know, players need to start getting their bodies in shape. You got to get travel plans together. You got to implement protocols. All of these things need to be figured out. And what was once a significant amount of time now it's not a whole heck of a lot of time. So uh, I think the pressure to, to, to come up with those solutions and, you know, if they are going to be able to play football this year, uh, this is this is kind of the direction that, that needs to be taken and, and the decisions that need to be made. At least put in a plan, and if you have to bang the plan later, so be it. But, you know, as of right now, you got to get something together. 
Yeah. All right. You have some thoughts about this? 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Let's head to the phones. Paul and Lincoln joins us first. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. I got a comment about uh, which uh, team from the East we're going to get. What do you think? Dollars to Donuts, it's going to be Michigan. They want that (laughs) big-name marquee matchup and a chance for Michigan to beat up on a down Nebraska. Guaranteed. My, my gut says it's going to be one of the Michigan schools. In fact, I think I, I sent that, I texted that over to, to Ben and Josh before the show, Paul. That's funny you say that because I said, I got a feeling it's going to be one of the Michigan schools. And you may be right, although Oscars already have Penn State and Ohio State. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Now, I don't, want to, I don't want to make Indiana mad, Paul, because I guess we made them mad or Bill Moose made them mad when he said, how come we're having to play Ohio State all these times and we don't get Indiana a couple times? So I don't want to make them mad, but – yeah, you, well, I understand you, that, but <laughs> let's think back to when we started this uh, these divisions. How many times did we have to play Ohio State, and then they changed the divisions to East and West? Well, let's put uh, the restart and let Nebraska play Ohio State again. We played Ohio State more than we played some of the people in our own division. <laughs> yeah, you're not far off. Paul, thank you. Appreciate the phone call. You might be right. I, my guess says it is going to be one of the Michigan schools, but, uh, you know, we'll, I mean, I guess we'll get to that at some point in time. But um, th- this was interesting today. Th- this We've kind of been waiting for some kind of a sign, some kind of a tip of the cap from the league office, and we may have gotten it today. Uh, is now we're into the second week already of July, Ben, and September the 5th is now inside of two months from that time. You're about 10 days away from when the football staff can start interacting a lot more with the players. Uh, you're about three weeks away from when that kind of mini camp can start. So, yeah, the, the clock, the sand, the, the sand and the hourglass is getting low. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier about, you know, having having the time to make the decisions and, you know, implement all those protocols. The uh, the window's not the same uh, height now as what it was um, even the last time we had this conversation. So, I can I can definitely empathize and understand that the uh, the powers that be are feeling pressure to make make a decision, but make make the right decision too. You don't want to just you know throw something together and and hope that it sticks. I I think this is a a pretty good plan that they've come up with, but you know the just the fact of execution and making sure safety and health are, are the number one of concern and um, all of this stuff is still feasible I think is important so uh, I'm not surprised that something has come out and I'm not surprised that you know some of this news that we've been waiting for is starting to trickle out you're going to have infections Scott Frost I think even said that when he met with the, the two major papers a week or so ago he goes we're going to have we're going to have infections you're going to have it you're going to have guys who miss games because they test positive during the week and they're going to miss some time, and so you're going to your depth is really going to get tested. It'll be interesting to see if they tweak the travel size for these teams. But for, in Nebraska's case, you do have 150 players, so you, you know unless it's a widespread thing where it wipes out 25 or 30, you ought to be able to survive a handful of positive tests each week. And you're going to get those. I mean, these kids, particularly when you get students coming back onto campus here in a month or so coming from all corners of the globe back onto the UNL campus, you're going to get some of that spread around campus. So I think you just going to have to start living with that. Uh, the good news for these kids that play this sport, at, the, at any college sport, is that for the most part, their bodies are much stronger to handle this than this virus. If we've learned anything over the four months, it certainly attacks the older folks in our society much more than it does the younger folks. 
Welcome back to this week's edition of Husker Huddle presented by Sap Brothers, where we say welcome, be our guest. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by the current New York Jet, former Nebraska Cornhusker, former Baltimore Raven, Alex Lewis. Alex, how are you, my friend? Oh, doing great, you know, just trying to stay safe during these uh, wild times and um, getting ready for the season coming up. Absolutely, and, and you nailed it. It has been wild. This offseason has been wild, unlike anything anyone ever thought. What have you been up to these last few months? Um, you know, I've just been nose to the grindstone. Um, recently signed the extension with the Jets, so mm. got paid a nice contract, and <laughs> uh, now i got to go out there and prove it. So, uh, you know, it's been a big offseason for me and in the weight room and on the field training. And uh, this time away has been great from the team just for the fact that you really get to focus on fundamentals and techniques on a, like a micro scale. And uh, it's been great for my game. So, I mean, let's run it back a little bit. Last year, you get you get released from the Ravens there and you find yourself a home at the Jets. How was that walking into a room of all new guys? I mean, it's your first transition out of a what was you thought was a stable place into a new place. Kind of how was that for you mentally? And then, I mean, you get into the starting role, which is awesome and got that new contract. So obviously it worked out well. But how did that work for you? Yeah, you know, mentally, you just got to go in and uh, think about just doing your job. You know, as a new guy going into a new team, you can't worry about what else is going on around you. Um, you just got to focus on going to work every day and making sure you're doing your job because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So when I got traded to the Jets, um, you know, that, that was the mindset I had going into it. And now that I've established myself as a starter there, you know, I think that this is what the next level of like a starter becomes is, you know, how do you incorporate guys and bring them along with you with that same mentality and finding that group where everyone's clicking on the same cylinders. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm really trying to work on for this uh, upcoming season. You guys have a good team up there, a young team. You guys have a young team in the Jets. I mean, being playing in Buffalo the last two years, I got to play against the Jets twice a year. You guys got a really solid team. I mean, who are some of the leaders that you look up to on that team as you try and model yourself to become a leader? Oh, one that sticks out right away in my head is C.J. Mosley. I mean, I played with C.J. in Baltimore oh, that's for right. three seasons. And then, um, you know, this last year I got to play with him. So I've been fortunate enough to play with him all four years of my career. And, you know, just seeing a five-time Pro Bowl in his first five years come in and go to work every day, uh, you know, you, you look in his locker, in the locker room, and he's got his goals printed right there on a piece of paper, right on his locker for everyone to see. And, it, and it's down to become the starter, be a leader, you know, win such and such, make such and such tackles, you know, and then being a captain and stuff like that. And so seeing a guy like that come in and prepare day in and day out, not just physically, but mentally in the playbook and the meeting rooms. Now that's someone that I want to model my profession after of and I look up to. I mean, being in that O-line room there, you've got some heck of good rushers um, in, in that room. You got some really good rushers on your team. Um, where are you going to be looking at? Left guard, right guard, or where do you feel most comfortable at now in the league? I, like I say, my whole career, just put me with that, whatever gets me on the field, whether it's left guard, right guard, center, tackle, I don't care as long as I'm on the field. Um, you know, comfortably, I, you know, I feel comfortable at all five positions, and that's just because my pops growing up, he played the game for 10 years. So when he asked what position I want to play, and I told him, oh, I want to play tackle, he goes, okay, good, you'll be an O-lineman. Because <laughs> yep. the, more, the more you can do in this league, the longer you'll, you'll be able to play in this game. 
That's an absolute fact. I use that as my mantra. It got me six years there before I got beat up and had to get out of there. But Alex, you signed the new big deal. You talked a little bit about the mentality of now you've got to go out and earn it. I think people sometimes don't realize that that is really, I would say, majority of the time when people do sign the nice deal that they deserve, that that's their mentality. A lot of people think, oh, I get paid and shut it down. What is your driving factor now besides just wanting to prove that contract? Like, what are some goals you have for yourself this year now that you've got to second contract, you've established yourself as a legitimate starter in the NFL? What are some next tier goals for Alex Lewis? You know, when you talk about next year uh, goals, I think you just take a look back at our second half of the season. And we started the season off one and seven, and we finished six and two. It was a completely different yep. team by the end of the season so for these this next tier goals it's like all right now how do we take that mentality that we finish with and translate it to the start of this new season you know what pros came out of that second half of the season and how do we find those pros and pull them out of there and then how do we eliminate the negatives that we had in that second half of the season to eliminate those two losses you know so when you're going into a new season like this especially on a new contract you got to be the guy to step up and look at the big picture here of last year be like look this is where i struggled personally you know for me it's little things like when you're watching tape it's all right my butt was a little too low on some of my run fits you know i gotta get my butt higher so i got more snap in my hips when i'm coming off the ball or it's timing of my second hand when i'm mm -hmm. throwing it on my short set pass set you know it's breaking it down to those minute details that will really separate and elevate your game I think that that's a huge part of it. And I think that people don't understand how not having an OTA system this year will affect that for the NFL. How have you been able to stay in touch with your guys, your O-linemen, so that you guys can all kind of focus on those little minute things as a group? Because as you know, and I know, if you don't have all five guys operating on an extremely high level together, you might as well, you're worthless, right? So how have you guys stayed oh, in touch and how have you guys worked together as an offensive line unit over these uh, times with COVID? Well, I mean, you know how it goes. The O-line is the team within the team. Absolutely. So the stronger your O-line is, the stronger your team's going to be. And, you know, we, we had our virtual off-season with 100% attendance. But uh, other ways that us players have taken on personally is, you know, we start our own group chat. Uh, we have quizzes sent to that chat where we can all get together and do our own Zoom meetings weekly and sit down and, and review our plays that we're going over. Um, but this is going to be a huge... I guess you could say revelation of, you know, who's a real pro mm. uh, this season because you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, that really step up and you're going to understand that those are the guys that took it upon themselves to become a pro and elevate their game, you know, and they didn't just rely heavily on like, the team or being told what to do. So I think, that, you know, this is a great opportunity for guys to come in fresh, you know, with all, for God's sake, healthy and uh, able to compete this season. So. I think it's going to be very interesting, and I'd like to hear your take on it, of how hard it's going to be for a rookie to contribute this year, not just at offensive line, but really any position. Because, I mean, that jump, as you know, from college to NFL is unlike anything these players have ever seen. And they're not going to get the training wheel period of OTAs. They're going to get right into training camp where it is. I mean, it's nut-cutting time. It's time to make a team. It is competition and, like, not a lot of hand-holding. How do you think this rookie class this year is going to fare across the entire NFL? Um, you know, I think um, you're going to see a, a tremendous rookie class coming in. I mean, just okay. look at this year already and everything they've gone through. Now, granted, they're not going to have as many opportunities to step up 
and uh, you know prove themselves but when you do get that one or two opportunities if you're lucky you get two when you do get that opportunity you got to be ready to go and i think the rookies understand that you know i had a meeting where i talked to the rookies and i broke it down like look this is how you be a pro not only are you watching tape on the opponents you have that week but you got to watch tape on your teammates because those are the guys you compete against in camp to earn a job and be able to feed your family at the end of the uh, end of the camp you know and I think uh, a lot of the rookies, when I was in that meeting, you know, they, they ask great questions, you know, they're like, oh, well, how do you watch tape? You know, what tape do you start with first? You know, what are you looking for when you're reading a guy? And questions like that is what, you know, spins the wheels going for guys. And, you know, I always told them, like, you got to be a sponge in this sport. So any information you can take, especially right now, and we're fortunate to live in this day and age of technology, if you can take all this information and just be a sponge, you got to be coachable and take advice from your players because guess what? You don't have coaches up there telling you, like, look, this is how it's done. You know, you got to take advice from players and teammates and understand, like, these guys have been doing it for a few years or some even a decade. And how do we take a little snippet that just relates to me and apply it to my game? Absolutely, man. Well, we're excited for you this year. I mean, again, congratulations on the contract. Very much well-deserved. And we're excited to watch the NFL season get kicked off here. But I'd be remiss in letting you go if we did not talk a little about college football and more specifically yours and I's uh, first love, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They've got a lot going on this year. But I want to focus a little bit on the offensive line because I know you're like me when you watch the team, all you watch is the offensive line. I think that there's a chance this year to have some NFL talent in Hymas, Farniak, and Jurgens eventually, but what is your thoughts on this year's NF or this year's offensive line for the Huskers? No, I, I completely agree with the two picks you just made there. I mean, I remember when Farniak came in uh, right when I was leaving college, and you know he was a big stud out of high school, and you know this will be a great year for him to come out and you know be a phenomenal leader up front for him. And as a pipeline at Nebraska, you know, it just comes down to the end of the day. It's, it's just you and your guys in your room. You know, it doesn't matter what other noise, what news is reported, what coaches say. As an offensive lineman, all you got out there when the bullets are live is the guy to your right and the guy to your left. So I think it's going to be very important for these two guys to not only step up as leaders, but to show them that they're more than just a teammate. You know, mm -hmm. show them that the O-line's a family. <laughs> and, you know, I expect great things from this uh young old lineman at uh, Nebraska, and I'm looking forward to the season with them. Absolutely. Last take here. What is your expectation for this Husker football team all around? Not offense, defense, but just the all around year three, Scott Frost. I like asking all my guests this, that it wore the end, wore the scarlet and cream, understand what it means to play in Memorial Stadium because they have a more realistic approach to things than just the normal fan because they understand the pressures of it all. You've watched it now for two years. You've seen the bumps that Scott's ran into with his program. Year three now, expecting some big things. What is your expectations or some things that you want to see out of Scott's team this year? You know, it's hard when you take over a program and you got to turn it around and, you know, hat off to Scott Frost and bringing his guys in and, you know, storming those rough seas for those first two years. But, you know, in, in year three, what I would love to see is just smoothing out those bumps. And what I mean by that is, you know, start putting together back-to-back -to -back wins and put together streaks, winning streaks of three to four games, you know. And when you, when you start seeing that consistency come across the board, you know, you just get to break it down and level up every time you go out there. 
Absolutely. Well, Alex Lewis, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you joining us here on Husker Huddle, presented by Sap Brothers. Sap Brothers is the top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. Sap Brothers is offering full service at the pump as our nation relies now more than ever on drivers and farmers to provide essentials to our communities. Sap Brothers is committed to serving you. Alex, again, stay safe, stay healthy down there in Arizona, man. As you're continuing to grind, I'm sure season's right around the corner. You're starting to get jacked up again. We'll catch up soon, my friend. And as always, go Big Red. Awesome. Go. It's time for Famous Days Face-Off. Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDave's.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Brett Whitty. That's right, Brett's back. Austin was here last week. He'll, he'll probably be back again on this, but uh, Ben really loved having him, so we needed to s- switch things up and bring Brett back because I think that provides some <laughs> entertainment value. Greg pulled seniority wow. after I, I had a good week. He's like, that's enough of that. Austin, you're, you're back on the bench, bringing the starter back in. <laughs> All right, so I'm your bad luck charm. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Ben or won. Austin's just my good luck charm. That's Let's what I was going to say. Ben won True. 4-1 last week, so it was Whip me. pretty impressive. Wow. That, that ties up the all-time series 7-all, so we have another chance wow. for Ben to take the lead. He has not had the lead yet. We've played 14 times, and Greg has had the lead or been tied for throughout the entire series. So we'll, we'll see if Ben can jump in the lead for the first time ever here tonight. Try our best. <laughs> there you go. That's all you can do. All right, question number one. We start with a little Husker football. Who were Nebraska football's top four point scorers in the 1983 season? Greg. Greg in first. Let's go uh, Mike Rozier. How about Mike Rozier? Yes, he was far and away number one. He scored 174 points in that 83 scoring explosion season. Give me Turner Gill. How about Turner Gill? Yes, he was number two, 66 points scored. Well, the other part of the triplets was Irving Fryer, so I'll go Irving Fryer. Is Irving Fryer on the board? Yes, so those are the three that were fairly obvious to most Husker football fans. Now can you get the fourth? Yeah, this will be the tough one. The fullback on that team was Tom Rathman, so I'll I'll throw Tom Rathman out there. Is Tom Rathman the fourth? Two strikes left. Uh, yeah. There was a back that's name started with an S, and I can't think of his full name. Sh- Sh- um, Shelling? Let's go Shelling. I'm that's quite right. going to give it to you. Mark Shelling. Yeah. Well, Shelling. You were, you were close enough. I don't. I, ben can protest probably, but I don't know if he would have come up with that. So. I would not have. That was that's a good one. That was a good pull. There you go. Good good work, Greg. All right. Well, Greg, off to this, a good this is start. What, but this is what happened last week, Brett. I won the first one, and then I, I didn't even get anything even in. I didn't even get on the – I didn't even kind of get the answer. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Don't worry. All right. 
Brett's going to pull some strings. <laughs> Moving on, question number two, Greg up one nothing. Who are the five active NFL players with the biggest contracts currently? Ben. Ben in first. Right. Ben. Russell Wilson. All right, give me Russell Wilson for the play. You want to pass a play? I'm playing it. All right, there are f- uh, four other names to get. Ben Roethlisberger. Show me Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh, one strike. Patrick Mahomes. Give me Patrick Mahomes. Of course, Mahomes getting the $500 million deal. So I have a question. Is this is this guaranteed? Is this cap hit? Is this total money? I mean, what what's so this is? They're all different. So this is total money, including signing bonuses, but not including, uh, I guess, restructuring of contracts, things like that. So basically, a total cash. So like is what what, we're going with. what Mahomes was listed at was like five hundred twelve million because his if you include the extension, it's twelve years and five hundred some million. So okay, so it's not a, it's not necessarily a yearly salary. Correct. Yep. No. Yeah. Okay, that changes that changes it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with NFL salaries, a lot of moving parts. And by the way, well, this what, was pulled off of Wikipedia, so we'll see how. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just throw oh, that man. out there. Well, here's the hard part about it is, don't, is it? I mean, I just have a like, if someone's at the end of their. Well, that's like, the let's thing. say yes, Aaron Rodgers has like one year left. Correct. Patrick, yes. Patrick yeah. Mahomes has ten years left. You're so in the right. It, you're in the right neighborhood with that, Ben. It's all about how much money is in their current contract. Okay. Carson Wentz. All right, give me Carson Wentz. Ben, that's a really good guess. He was number, I think he's number six or tied for six. So you were. That's two strikes. Have three names. Greg just waiting in the wings right now. I mean, this is all about who signed long-term deals. Yeah. Um, Just think of some recent big contracts. Yep, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to roll this week, Greg. Don't worry. Well, this is a hard question. This is a hard one. Yeah, this I'm is, trying to think of hard. who, who Brett, just signed the long term. Brett was talking with me off the air before we started this segment, and he was like, yeah, we, we really hit him with a hard one on this one. So. Jared Goff. All right, Jared Goff. Again, you're right in that neighborhood, Ben. Like that. <laughs> now, those are like the five highest played players in the NFL. I don't, I don't know who else it could be. All right. Well, goes to Greg now. Three options for the steal. So he got two of the five. Correct. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And I would say those are the two obvious ones. Those are yeah, the two. Yeah, they are that most recent big time deals. The fact yeah. that Ben Roethlisberger's not on there blows my mind. I, I I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey. All right, Chris, Christian McCaffrey for the steal. He's not. Hey, let me there. get. Let me give another crack. <laughs> okay. Right. Byron Jones. No. Nope. Okay. Be- uh, All right. So yeah, read them off, Brad. The other names: uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Donald, and then Matthew Stafford. God 
Dang it. I was thinking of Aaron Donald. Yeah, Aaron Donald was. Dang it. I was, yeah, I thought one of you guys would go outside the box and go defensive player Dang there. Because if, to to if you were going to go yearly salary, I bet three of those guys are barely in the top ten. Right. That's what made oh, that yeah. so yeah. hard. That was yeah. a very difficult yeah. question. You're right. Man. All right. Tied up at one apiece as we move on to question number three. Name the four most recent Major League Baseball starting pitchers who won 20 games in a season. Ben. Okay, Ben first. Justin Verlander. Show me Justin Verlander. Yes, he did it last year. He won 21. So are you going to pass I'm playing. One? All right. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Show me Garrett Cole. Yes, he did it last year as well. He had 20. I'm going outside the box here. Rick Porcello. Show me Rick Porcello. That's a good guess. He did Must it. have just been outside. I was going to say, I think he did that, like, you know, a little bit before the this time frame. Mad Max Scherzer. Show me Max Scherzer. Damn. Got one strike left. Two names. Zach Greinke. How about Zach Greinke? All right. This is another hard one. This is. And Ben got the two from the only two that did it last season. The yeah. other ones are before last season, so have to stretch your memory a little bit more. I'm not confident in this, but I'm going to say Clayton Kershaw. Show me Clayton Kershaw for the steal. Oh, so the uh, other... Did, did Herman Marquez get there two years ago? I don't believe so. So the, t the other two were in 2018, and it was Blake Snell with 21 and Corey Kluber with 20. Mm. Oh, yeah, Kluber did have that. I do remember Corey Kluber getting there. Yeah. All right, Ben with back-to-back -back saves there. Way to go, man. All right, up <laughs> to one. Thanks, number, man. <laughs> number four. Who are the top three college football players in a single season or in single season rushing yards from Power Five schools? Greg? <laughs> Greg? I don't know that I understand the question, but I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor. Uh, give me a Jonathan Taylor. He's not up there. Close. Okay, repeat the question. <laughs> All right, top three college football players in a single season. Amount of rushing yards. Oh man. Um. Okay, I know of the schools, but I don't know if the names are going to come to me. Um. How about Garrett Wolf? All right, show me Garrett Wolf. <laughs> I personally have never heard of Garrett Wolf. <laughs> I have to say that. Um, I'm going to stay Wisconsin and give me Monte Ball. Monte Ball, is he up there? He's not. Okay, Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard for single season rushing yards. Just ping-ponging it back and forth here. <laughs> Gregster. Uh, let me get away from Wisconsin. <laughs> um... Give me uh, Adrian Peterson. 
AP is he up there? Okay, really, well, I'll, all go, these are I'll go back to Wisconsin. Really Melvin Gordon. <laughs> all right, Melvin Gordon for the play. Got it. He's okay, never so, asked to sting Greg. So is it the last three? I don't understand. No, no, no not the most three the recent. Top, top three. three all time. All time. In single okay. season and, and, and the okay. kicker is just the power five schools. We right. took out Barry third. Sanders. All right, Barry Sanders. Is he up there? Yes, number one, Barry Sanders. 2,628 yards for him. And Melvin Gordon was number two. Okay, the last so one's obscure. It's, it's an obscure school. I know I know it is. For one, I want to say it's Northern Illinois, and that's who Garrett Wolf played for, but power, I can't. Power five. Okay, power, power five. five. Oh, geez, okay. Um, Cause yeah, there was a guy that snuck in there. It was one of the. How about Ladanian yeah. Tomlinson. All right, LT is he on there? All right, so that's actually your first strike. We've had a lot of buzzers <laughs> sounded on this question, but that was yeah, the first actual strike. Yeah, Ke Kevin Smith from UCF. Okay, yeah, uh, would have been. Yeah, and that was only like ten years ago, ten eleven. I years know, ago. which is crazy to think. Didn't he? He went to the Lions, didn't he? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> Clearly um, a storied NFL career. Ricky Williams? Ricky Williams. Oh, not not a, that was a really good guess. Not that was a good point. Heisman yeah. Trophy winner. I, I don't know how far back I, to go. I feel like right. at some point, all the people you guys have listed have been in the top three. Yeah, that's actually a good point, Brett, because, yeah, I'll save my commentary for a yeah, little Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I don't. I really don't want to guess another Wisconsin guy, but Ron Dane's got to be up there. Um, Ron Dane. Is that your Are, guess? Wait, is no, that yeah? That's not is my that a, guess. That's not my. Not guess. your I'm guess. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Brett was ready you, to pull the trigger. You get. We, we got one strike left, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've gotten two wrong. Um. God, I just don't. I don't know. Tough. Yeah, this. Give me uh, how about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. <laughs> Not up there, Greg. Over to you for the steal. Yeah, this is this is hard. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go Leonard Fournette. Okay, Leonard Fournette for the steal. <laughs> Incorrect. It was it was Marcus Allen, USC in 1981. Oh, holy. 2,427. Now, the, the impetus for this question was Mike Rogier went over 2,000 yards in the 83 season, and he was ah. in, like, the top two or three at that point. And then he's down to, like, number 12 right now. He's just, 12 right now. So Some other ones. Uh, really yeah, Rashad There's been Penny. so many great running backs the last five years. Derrick Henry was number six, so that was actually a really good guess. Jonathan Taylor was seven, so, Greg, you had a really good guess. LT came in at 10. Yeah. You guys were all, yeah, you you were all over. That was a tough one. All right, moving along here to question number five. Who are the top five leaders in career wins on the PGA Tour all time? Greg. Greg in first. Tiger. Show me Tiger. I'll play. Okay. I got to get five and, of them? Yeah, five. Top five, and we're talking about PGA Tour wins, not yeah. majors. Doesn't have to be. Give me Sam Sneed. How about Sam Sneed? 
Ricky and Tiger actually tied for first right now with 82. Give me Jack Nicholas. How about Jack? <laughs> Got two left. Hmm. Rolling. How about Phil Mickelson? Show me Phil Mickelson. No, he's up there, though. I think he was like seven or eight. So he's in that range and obviously still climbing. Well, I'm going to go way back. Byron Nelson. Ooh, show me Byron Nelson. That's a really good guess. He is number six. So, Woo! so close. <laughs> How many has Arnold. he got? He's Arnold. got he's gotten three, but he has two strikes. Arnold Palmer. Show me Arnold Palmer. Yes, one left. How many did Palmer win? 62. So mm. 20 back of Sneed and Woods. Yeah. Nicholas was 73, so only nine back of that. My Gary Player. Show me Gary Player. Again, another top 10 guy. Ben, well, he's, my, took, yeah, that he's was taken it. all the, the old guys that I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> If, if Phil's not on there, it's not going to be anybody that, I, that I've that i watched play. All right. Other than Tiger. So you're going to just have to throw a random guess out there then. Just trying to think of any old golfers that, that come to mind. He can, he can finish the uh, game right here. He can here. finish it here. This is for yeah. the win on this guess. I, 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 can I, be just, out again, I just Brett. don't. I just don't know golf. Um, <laughs> Tom Watson. How about Tom Watson for the steal and the win? Oh, that's oh, actually yes. a really good guess. He's also guess. around top ten-ish range, but not quite in there. Wow. Ben, okay. Ben Hogan is number ben four Hogan. with sixty-four okay. total wins that, on the PGA Tour. That would have hurt if if. Ben would have stolen that after oh, Greg had, yeah, that had so many uh, yeah, failed steals. I, there. You could have given me 50 guesses, and I would have come up with Ben Hogan. <laughs> really? All right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, same, same name. Not. I just thought that was a cheap brand of golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, number four all time go. on the PGA Tour. So now you just know. Just besmirching the name. All right, number six here. Uh, name the top five NBA players in postseason points per game for their career. Greg Ben. Greg. I heard Greg, yeah. Let's go, Michael Jordan. MJ. He's up there. You're going to pass a play. Oh, I'm playing this one. Oh, all right. Four other names to get here. Give me Wilt Chamberlain. Give me Wilt Chamberlain, says Greg. Oh. Ooh. Not up there. Wow. I Yeah. Uh. How about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Give me Kareem. Oh. No. Ace. Ben's like, I don't want any piece of this question. <laughs> I mean, those are two heavyweights that are off the board. All right, LeBron James. All right, LeBron James to get back on track. He's up there. 28.92 per game for the career. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. No Kobe. 
It goes right. over to Ben. You've got three wow. names to choose from. For the steal so and the win again. What am I looking for? Just points per game? Points per game. Points per game. Postseason career. So one of them might be uh, obvious. Some of them are not. How about Steph Curry? Show me Steph Curry for the steal. Man, that was another no. Great guess. Read him off. Ah. All right, so number two was Allen Iverson, yeah, and then you had Jerry West, which would have been in that in the range that you were thinking there, Greg, at the beginning. And then number four was KD, Kevin Durant. Hmm. Wow, Crazy. KD's that high up, huh? Yeah, yeah he, he for the Golden State, Golden State, he had all those forty-point games, and then he was hurt for a lot of the ones where he probably wouldn't have scored so many. The names you guys named off are oh. pretty unbelievable that they're not on there. Wilt, Kareem, Kobe, crazy. Yeah, Kobe, Kobe, I probably would have guessed. Yep. All right, last question. Question number seven. Which five Major League Baseball franchises have the most World Series losses? Ben. Greg. Ooh, Benning first. <laughs> Aggressive. Uh, Boston Red Sox. Show me the Boston Red Sox. Give me the Yankees. How about the Yankees? They have 13. All right, I'll, I'll play. And okay. this is not just individual games, but Correct. series Se is lost. Series loss, Correct. yes. Yep. yep. Okay. All right, I'll play. How many are we looking for? Five, and you've gotten one, Five. so four okay. left. I'll go the Dodgers. Show me the Dodgers. They are number one with 14. Rolling. A lot of them were against the Yankees. Yeah. Um. Now it gets a little harder. Yep, this is tough. Um, how about the Giants? Show me the Giants. And that's a good call because we're not just we said franchises, not teams, current teams. Right. So goes back to yeah. the days in New York. Yep. New York, yeah. So they were number three with twelve. In the Brooklyn so, Dodgers. So now we're getting even tougher. We're looking for number four and number five, but you have a clean board so far. Right. The Cincinnati Reds. How about the Reds? One strike. The Cardinals? How about the Cardinals? They have eight. All time. One left. And only one strike. Give me the Tigers. How about the Tigers? Down to your last strike. Ben waiting in the wings. I, I wonder. I want to know if Ben knows. I got a good idea. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. How about the Indians? How about the Indians? So we have one guest remaining, and Ben, you have the chance for a steal. For the Does, this decides the, the game. This is it right here. Oh, Another close this one. Just be, this could make you lose sleep tonight, Greg. And Ben. I think I think the team nickname gives it away. The lovable losers, the Chicago Cubs. Is it the Chicago Cubs for the steal and the win? Really? It is. They have eight as well, tied with the Cardinals Man. for 
number four, so technically top five. I didn't five. think they'd been in enough World Series, really. Yeah, I mean, they. I, it was a long time ago, honestly. I feel like they Hack Wilson? Back, Hack yeah, Wilson back era? Back in like the 20s and that era, so... Wow. Good work, Greg. I, tr- I tried to get you the win you, there. I, I, ben almost I blew my, it, though. Greg had to come back in mind. He won two in a row, sent it to seven. and I, I was rattled after the golf one, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little out of your wheelhouse there. Wow. Great game. Good game. Brett, good to have you back. We're delighted to be joined by Jason Jorgensen from our affiliate KRVN. He's going to have the radio call for this matchup, which Jason, uh, I don't know that any of us thought was going to happen. I'm glad. I, I'm, I know that a lot of people are certainly happy to see this game happen this week. How you been? I've been pretty good. I'm like you. I know we had spoken earlier this spring, and we thought the Shrine Bowl had, had made the right decision at the time not to cancel this thing, but just to kind of postpone it and see how things looked in the summer. And, of course, things really improved with the governor's announcement on the 1st of July that there could be contact sports and, now we have ourselves a Shrine Bowl coming up on Saturday. Tell me about how they got to this point and how have they, how have they done precautions to make sure that the, that the young athletes are taken care of? Well, they made uh, all of the kids with their parents start doing temperature checks, I believe, last week. So they, they had that baseline uh, for the kids when camp started. Now, there was actually a couple of kids who tested positive for covid last week so they weren't able to be a part of this thing and then i know they've really stressed safety with the health professionals and the athletic trainers at carney and a lot of those coming from unk they've been cleaning the dorms all the time another thing that's been different this year is in the past uh the camps would be the south would have their camp in Crete at Doan, and the North would have their camp in uh, Nebraska Wesleyan and Lincoln. And this year they've had everybody together in the dorms at UNK. So that's also been a little different, but they're doing their best, and so far so good. How many how many young men are going to be a part of this game? And, and talk about some of the names that uh, you're excited to see and call their names on Saturday. Well, this is one of the things that is different this year. They – they have raised the rosters to 45 kids apiece. A in the past, I believe it was 32 or 35. They did that for a number of different reasons. One, I think they knew that it's going to be a hot day on Saturday for football. You could use a few more bodies. And since there were no spring sports, you didn't really have an idea of you know, what kind of shape anyone uh, would be in. So you have 45 kids on each roster. You really have to hand it to the head coaches, Ryan Thompson from Ashland Greenwood and Mark Mackey from Lincoln High. They've had to do a lot of shuffling here because 19 guys who originally were on the rosters when this thing was announced back in the spring, they can't play for one reason or another. So you take those 19 away, then you added 10 more kids. So as of three weeks ago, they were still calling kids, asking them if they wanted to play in the game. And I've, I've talked to several of the guys from our local area about this, and I said, did you have any apprehensions about playing in this thing? And, and to a kid, they said, absolutely not. Uh, when they were given a chance to play and they were able, they were going to do that. So that's, Greg, as you know, that that's a great thing about being 18, 19 years old. You, you're bulletproof, and 
You don't worry about things. If someone offers you a chance to play in a football game, you're going to go for it. Yeah, and we've learned a lot about this virus over the last four months, and that's one of them, that it doesn't really have a big effect on the younger population. Thank goodness it doesn't. It really affects more people that are that are older, senior citizens in our society. All right, you mentioned the camps are different. Anything else that they're not getting to experience with the Shrine Bowl experience that the teams in the past have been able to do? Well, they're doing their best. Uh, they are going to have kind of a meet and greet with with some of the uh, the kids from the Shriners Hospital. They're going to do that on Friday morning. I think that's going to look a little bit different than what they have in the past. There will not be a parade uh, this week in Kearney for uh, numerous uh, reasons. They are going to have a bit of an awards banquet on Friday night, so uh, I, I was glad to see that. I think the big winner for this weekend is if they can just pull this thing off, no one gets sick. The Shrine Bowl can say they still were able to have their game, and, and they found a way to have it when, you know, let's, let's face it, this day and age, everybody's got an opinion on some things. I'm sure there's some people out there who don't think this is a great idea, but uh, credit the Shrine Bowl and the staff for trying to pull this thing off. Visiting again with Jason Jorgensen from our affiliate KRVN in Lexington. He's going to have the radio call of the Shrine Bowl on Saturday from from Kearney. You mentioned the head coaches. Did any of the other coaches get replaced, changed? Did they have to move that around at all, or were all those guys able to, to jump on board here? As far as I know, Greg, that's that's been about the same. Those coaching staffs are, are intact. You, you kind of asked me earlier about some of the players. When, when this game originally was set to be played, I believe there were – 12 guys who were destined to go to Nebraska, most of them being walk-ons. We won't have 12, but we will have six. We'll have uh, Mason Neiman from Waverly, Keegan Menning from Fremont, Eli Simonson from Archbishop Bergen, Bladen Bayless from Beatrice, uh, Braden Clover from Southern, and Nate uh, Borkacher from Aurora. And then you have a Husker baseball recruit and Tyler Palmer from uh, Columbus Scotus who will be playing. So there, there will be a a little bit of a Husker flavor on Saturday, just not quite as much as it was going to be. Oh, that's great. All right, how about for the folks who are coming to the game or want to come to the game, what what protocols are they putting in place for the spectators for this thing? Well, social distancing certainly is going to be in effect. The stadium itself seats 6,000. They're not going to have 6,000 people there. They've printed up about 3,200 tickets. They can't go over. 75 percent I, I think that's a state rule or uh you know a social distancing rule and then they just if you want them to wear a mask that would be great but i don't know how many people are going to do that with temperatures in the 90s that could be a that could be a little uncomfortable and and people need to come and stay hydrated on saturday because it is going to be a warm one there's there's not a lot of shade there at cope stadium so uh, people need to social distance stay hydrated bring some sunblock and enjoy some football Jason, just for context's sake, what normally does that game draw? Is it a packed house when they play this game? It hasn't been. I, I would say the rough estimate is usually about 3,500 to uh, okay. 4,000 people show up. The first year they had it in Kearney, they, they, it was bad luck. They had terrible weather. I think it was about 50 degrees that day with a 40-mile-an-hour wind, believe it or not. And That day it was pretty close. Nice crowd for the game, but they haven't sold it out since it's been in Kearney. Okay. Well, and again, it's usually it's not usually this hot when this game is normally played in in early June, so that, that they're getting a bad break with that as well. Was there any talk about moving this tonight? Maybe to to try to get away from the heat or not? 
I never heard any talk about oh. that. That that would make a lot of sense. It's been a long time since the Shrine Bowl uh, was played at night. I, I think they like to have it in the afternoons. Everyone, you know, if you're driving some amount of distance, yeah. you can get home. You mentioned before, this, this is the latest a Shrine Bowl has been played in Nebraska since 2009. I know it used to always hit during the same week that we were always at Big 12 media days, and uh, that always made for a crazy week. And then they moved the game up about 10 years ago, hoping that they could get more of the Division One kids to play. Right, before they head off to their respective schools and get ready yep. to do winter summer conditioning for those places. Well, Jason, I, I for one, am, am glad this is going to happen. I'm going to tune in on, on Saturday and listen to some of this thing, and let's hope everything comes off. Uh, off swimmingly because I think that would be a good would be a good sign for high school football in the fall, for the Huskers in the fall, for the Lopers in the fall. I think if if we could do this right, I think that would be a nice sign for everybody. Amen. I agree one hundred percent, and I think it would show folks that you can do this and you can pull it off if you do it the right way. Yeah, very good, Jason. We appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Have a great call on Saturday. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Josh had this in the ticker at the top of the hour that Ohio State has stopped voluntary workouts after doing another round of testing with their student-athletes that are on campus already. They're not announcing a number. You just said North Carolina, same thing at the Tar Heels campus. So we're still kind of in that take one step forward, two steps back mode with this trying to fight this virus and get these college sports up and running again. Yeah, I and mean, that's, you know, for those skeptics out there, they're going to use this, you know, as, as their ammo. You can't even get through voluntary workouts without suspending them. How are you going to get through a 12-week, 12-game season? So, um, yeah, I mean, this is just a, it's a tough road. I think, it you know, this was a, definitely a trial run with all of the the teams getting players on campus and doing these voluntary workouts. And some some areas of the country and some teams – have been very successful with very, very low positive tests and other areas of the country have been hit a lot harder than others and have had to shut things down. Yeah, we talked about quite a bit earlier on in the program about the article from Tom Deanhart, who writes for the Rivals site for Purdue, quoting a Power 5 head coach saying that the Big Ten Conference is having a big meeting tomorrow to kind of lay out a blueprint, and that blueprint appears to be 10 conference games, no non-conference games. Right now, Nebraska and all the teams in the Big Ten slated to play nine, so that you would add one more. Will you, will you play the nine that are on your schedule? We don't know. That that hasn't been announced, but uh, uh, 10, 10 Conference games, no non-conference games. So for Nebraska, that would mean eliminating the Central Michigan game, the South Dakota State game, and also the Cincinnati game off of your schedule and adding one more league opponent uh, to the schedule. Seems to me that seems to be, and I was hearing that locally, our friend Teddy Greenstein will be on the program tomorrow night, also was uh, tweeting cryptically, tweeting something about that around noon today. So that seems to be a lot of the chatter among Big Ten officials, athletic directors, football coaches, that that's the path they're going to do to it. Try to play 10 games over a 13- or 14-week stretch, Ben, which would allow some flexibility in there if you have a flare-up on a particular campus or in a particular locker room that you could work your way around that. Yeah, that's that's the hope. And you, you say a cryptic Teddy Greenstein tweet. We'll, we'll try and get him to decrypt that text tomorrow and speak to us in in blunt terms of what he's learned but um yeah we'll we'll just kind of see see what happens there yeah i mean this is uh again trying to come up with answers to to very complicated question and 
I know the people out there that are in charge of making those decisions are doing the best that they can. And, you know, we'll just kind of have to see, you know, if this, if these plans that we're making right now, uh, can go forth and, um, you know, can continue to, uh, to go ahead with these, with these plans of a, in this case, a shortened season, a, a conference only season. Do you have any MLS soccer on near you right there? You get your no. laptop open up for that? I, I got my laptop open, but I, I wouldn't even know where to look for the Major League Soccer. It's um, on ESPN. The, the Major League Soccer match. Uh, you said <laughs> the two Florida teams are going head-to-head, right? Yeah, Orlando and uh, – I lost it right now. I don't have it right here. Orlando or Miami, one of those. Yeah. Other big big suburbs or big <laughs> cities in, in the in the, in South Beach yeah. area. Josh, you got it on in the studio there? You watching it in there? It, it's not up. I, <laughs> I'm not that it's desperate. Clearly we don't, it's clear we don't miss sports that much. <laughs> oh, Brett Brett's probably have, appalled. Brett, Brett would have it on. I'm sure oh, yeah. if Brett's still in on. his closet. Is he still in his closet? Probably. He probably is watching <laughs> it in his closet, yeah. Love it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, they have a niche audience. They're very passionate about the MLS. It's actually done very well in certain markets around the country. I know Kansas City with Sporting KC does a very good job down there. Good, solid season ticket base. Um, Some markets it does very, very well. And after a four-month hiatus, they're back playing tonight down on the Disney campus, which is where the NBA is headed in the coming weeks. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our sports nightly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Ben mentioned Teddy Greenstein will be with us tomorrow night and also 7 on 7. Friday night, we'll continue our greatest games as we go back to 1983. Play back the season finale of Nebraska against Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma on Thanksgiving weekend. That'll be a fun one to listen back to on Friday. That'll do it for this hour. Another hour of Sports Highly coming up.